How will the world meet growing energy demand while reducing emissions? What technology, human capital, policy, and education is needed to making the energy transition a reality? What are the myths and hard truths about all forms of energy, our environment, and our economy? The Voices of Energy sets out to explore these questions with the people at the heart of making these changes a reality. We'll go from conversation to application by focusing on actionable strategies that will drive the world and our industry into a new era. I'm Katie Maynard, founder and CEO of Ally Energy, and this is the Voices of Energy. Shelby Bregger is the head of finance and operations at Via Separations, a climate tech startup focused on eliminating the energy used in industrial manufacturing. Prior to joining Via Separations, Shelby held roles at McKinsey and Company, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and the Engine with a focus on strategy, operations, and corporate finance. Shelby is a proud Stanford alum and holds an MBA, a master's in sociology, and a bachelor's in economics from Stanford. Welcome, Shelby, to the podcast. Thank you, Katie. It's great to be here. Well, I got to tell you, strategy, I'm all over that. Operations and corporate finance, you can give that to my CFO. This is such an interesting background you have, and I can't wait to get into it. But first, we're going to go through what we call our rapid fire. So are you ready for the rapid fire? Yes, I am. Excellent. Morning or night person? Afternoon person. Neither. Okay. Why an afternoon person? It's, it's the best time of day. The sun's out. Well, hopefully, you're, you know, you're well-rested. You've had your nice lunch. You're not hungry. You're not tired. It's the perfect time of day. Oh, I need you to call me at two o'clock. Look at that, <laughs> two o'clock here in uh, in sunny Houston, Texas. So you're going to be my afternoon girl. Awesome. And favorite place you've traveled? Greece. Greece. Okay. Favorite or most recent book you've read? The Last Story of Mina Lee. Super good. Okay. What new hobby have you picked up during the pandemic? Skiing. Ooh, that's a great yet expensive hobby. Very cool. Yeah. And then person you would like, you would most like to meet? Melinda Gates. Melinda Gates. Okay. You worked for her and you didn't get to meet her. Nope. It's a, it's a big organization, but she is one impressive lady. I saw her from, you know, a few steps away many times, but not, not, not a full conversation. So maybe one day. Okay. This is a big call out because I want to meet her too. And I'd love to meet her husband, Bill. Although I have to say Melinda is, yes, tops. So Melinda Gates, you've got two women here, Shelby Rugger and Katie Maynard, who really want to meet you. This is a great segue into, into talking about you and, and the work you're doing. So tell us about what it was like to work for the foundation, you know, and the role you got to, to play and, and how did that guide you to where you are in your career today? Yeah, I, I absolutely loved working for the Gates Foundation. I felt like I was paid to learn and it helped me realize uh, how much the subject area and, and where I get to focus is so critical to how fulfilled I feel in work. I loved having an impact and I think this applies to pretty much everyone in the energy sector. Uh, just having a broader impact beyond just what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. I think the content or the function that you're in matters for, for your personal fulfillment, but I loved that at the end of the day, if I spent a late night working on some research, that that actually had a direct impact on some of what our team could do and then what we could do to impact poverty alleviation and global development. And tactically, I just I loved 
that I, I just discovered that I loved learning about how to amplify the impact around me. And this is the source of my fascination and innovation and R&D um, and ultimately climate, climate and the energy sector. Yeah. So I'm looking at, you know, when I was researching your background, I, I see you're a, you started your career at good old McKinsey and Company and I'm a corporate girl myself by background. So I did some, did some consultancy and then worked in, uh, in, in the energy industry. So how did you, how did you make that transition from McKinsey to an early stage clean tech startup? Yeah, I, my path has been super roundabout. I have always found myself gravitating towards awesome, super smart people. And the great news is they're, they're everywhere. But I found that I, I gravitated towards problems where I could have a big impact. And when I started at McKinsey, I really just focused on figuring out what do I want to do with my life and what, what drives my fulfillment at work. And I learned just working in a collaborative environment uh, with interesting people mattered. At the Gates Foundation, I learned that I loved working on a problem that I could have a deep impact on. Um, and while I was in business school, I just kept exploring different ways uh, that I could have that. And I found myself attracted to, as cliche as it sounds, uh, private investment as a form of social good. And I, and I truly believe that private investment, it happens at the corporate level, it happens at the venture capital level. And I looked at ways that big companies could have an impact as well as small companies. And so when I found myself gravitating towards uh, the climate and energy space, I found myself really just excited and interested by what's happening in the energy sector. I think we are at such a critical and pivotal moment. Um, you have these incredible energy companies that have existed uh, for decades, if not centuries, and they're starting to think about how do we uh, transition our current business model and support our existing business lines, but develop new ones. And I think that's what brought me to, to Via Separations. I think what we're doing is we're looking at different forms of manufacturing, including paper and pulp. Uh, we're looking at petrochemicals and chemicals, and we're thinking about how can we amplify what this industry is already doing? There's so much domain expertise. How can we help these companies do their jobs even better if we can? And, and that's where focusing on energy efficiency and process intensification is something that's super exciting and interesting and, and definitely, honestly, a random place that I ended up. I, if you had told me five years ago that I was going to uh, be focused on process intensification and industrial manufacturing, I would have said, I have literally no idea what that is. So it's fun to have ended up here and it's, and it's a great space to keep learning and, and to honestly build on the shoulders of these industrial giants. Okay, so let's talk about this because I'm, I'm like you. I look at things and I love, I'm fascinated by a challenge, but I'm also, I also recognize my shortcomings. I'm not an engineer, like the last thing in the world, process intensification. And I remember when I was at Shell, I had a, an engineer come to me and say, you ought to get into health and safety. And I thought she was nuts, right? Like, so what about what you do? And so I, I looked you guys up, I saw your, uh, your motto is do more with less, which is a pretty freaking, uh, actually it's something that the energy industry has tried to push on its people and the culture being more efficient. But uh, what does that mean on a practical level? Like, what is it that you guys do? Yeah, it's a great, it's, it's a great question. And it took me quite a bit of time to, to understand it and learn myself. And Hopefully I can impart my knowledge with one simple example, which is just thinking about industrial manufacturing. So much of it is done 
like you're boiling off lots of water to get to an end output. And so imagine you're making a, a pot of pasta and instead of using a strainer, you just boiled off the water until the pasta was there. Not only would that be super time consuming, uh, you'd be running your stove for a very long time. And so what Via Separations is trying to do is serve as that strainer in that manufacturing process. And so what Via Separations is bringing to market is a first-of-its-kind membrane-based filtration system. And what it does is it acts as that strainer, but not only that, it amplifies the existing industrial base. And so when we approach a customer and our first market is pulp and paper, and we're piloting our technology there right now, when we uh, integrate into this pulp and paper manufacturing plant, what we are saying is, hey, you know what you are doing best, and what we're going to help you do is reduce your energy footprint um, by filtering some of your weak black liquor, their main substance, and concentrating it to a higher level. And so we are just filtering and offering that as a service to our customer. That's amazing. Yeah, I saw that pulp and paper is, is uh, a big area for you. Obviously, food and beverage, pharma. You know, it's interesting, pharma, chemicals, food and beverage, they're all major, major emitters of CO2. And so it's exciting to see that you're you're really looking at the uh, manufacturing process. A lot of people don't understand how stuff is made. Most of our children don't know where our food, their food comes from. I asked my kid the other day where ketchup came from, and she said Heinz. And I said, "Boy, they've done a really good job at marketing to you, my daughter." But no, it's it's um, this is exciting stuff. And so, where is the startup located? Based uh, right outside of Boston, uh, Massachusetts, in a town called Watertown. Awesome. Awesome. Well, okay. So this is great. You know, um, I know you, because we, we talked a little earlier about kind of the strategy side and the, the economic side, you know, you studied economics in school and obviously did a lot of that kind of work initially, you know, do you look back and was there ever an interest in energy or renewable technology before um, college or maybe when you were growing up? Yeah. When I was growing up, I think I was passively interested my parents were early adopters of hybrid cars and had solar panels on their home. And we've always been mindful of our consumption of things like paper towels. But uh, really what I loved about being environmentally friendly is that it's also economical. And so I think there are some really interesting things. Like, for example, at my parents' house, they are net contributors to the grid. And I think that's something that's super cool. But their house is making money for them. And that is not something that everyone can say. And so I think there's something so valuable and so important about the climate tech, clean tech, even energy, uh, the broader energy industry. So much of this is how can we do more with, with what we have and how can we reduce the amount of waste because that's actually monetizable. And so I, I refer to this as like the evil capitalist within me. But I, I think that there is just so much potential, both economic and environmental, that that is right there on the surface that we can grab. And so I think that's always been something that's excited me and motivated me and created this baseline passion for it. Well, I wouldn't say it's evil. I think it's it's brilliant. You know, we, the circular economy, um, the removal of waste, the, uh, gosh, when I was in um, the garbage business so many years ago, I worked for waste management you know, we looked at ways to compress uh, garbage and, you know, capture gas and use that in our operations. I mean, that's just smart. So I think you're right. I think we're living in a, yeah, in a time where even consumers can get really, the cost of things are starting to come down. I just went electric myself. I've been looking at 
generation and generators since I live in Texas and we've had some issues, you know, looking at AC efficiency and weatherization and how all that plays a role. It's interesting you say this growing up with your your family being so focused on it. I grew up around um, environmentalists in a very a red state. And so, um, and in a conservative family of all of uh, all things. And my, my father, though, was a very big conservationist. Turn out the lights, you know, do you know how much energy you're wasting? I think a lot of it's because he's an engineer and he was cheap. But it's interesting how our, our upbringings much later in life manifest, you know, the story of, of how we came to be so interested in um, what we do. So, so I'm curious, what trends have you seen from investors and VCs uh, financing climate tech? And what do you think about the rise of shareholder activism around climate change? I love it. I think it's super exciting and, and interesting to see people uh, use, their, use their dollars to also use their voice. I think money is super powerful. And I, and I love seeing that advocacy with that money. On the investing side, I think climate tech and the energy transition overall is just a really interesting place. I think while SPACs warrant their own conversation, I do think something that they're providing that's really meaningful to the sector is, is exits to early stage investors. And I think that facilitates fundraising processes at earlier stages as well. And so I'm excited to see that. I think it'll be interesting to see what the long-term performance of some of these companies that go public via SPAC, but I still think that providing those exits is really important to the capital uh, infrastructure. And then on the early stage side, I think it's been super exciting to see how many smaller funds or earlier stage funds have have entered the space and and focused on fostering the climate tech ecosystem, including uh, places like the Engine, where I had the opportunity to uh, intern a few years ago. I think that there is just so much interest and passion for this space that I'm excited to see the whole capital infrastructure play out. And I think this is something from the investing side that when when you think about the later stage, the growth and the series B through D investments, this is where I'm really excited to see players like Shell and BP and Chevron Technology Ventures enter and, and they're there and they are investing in some of these really important technologies. And so it's super exciting to see that everyone is investing across the board. Um, and I'm excited to see that trend continue because creating this ecosystem with investors and companies that have the experience to scale these technologies is going to be super critical. And so seeing all these different segments of the investor base play is, is awesome. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, you're like a poster child for the for the oil and gas industry. I, I love hearing you speak about the majors and the way you do. I believe exactly in what you say. I'm often uh, thrown in the middle of two political realms, the left and the right, and renewables versus fossils. And I believe we need it all. And these energy companies, I haven't seen movement like I've seen in the last six months. I mean, many of them have had targets for a long time, net zero targets, and they were making quiet investments. But I think that the world is woke to climate and we've woke to a lot of the injustices in our economy. And we're starting to move, you know, in the right direction. So I'm so glad to hear that that uh, that's some of the outside sentiment outside of Texas, because sometimes when you live in, live in a little bit of a bubble down here, all you think you hear is that, you know, that the world thinks horribly of, you know, the oil and gas industry. And, and it has certainly brought us to where we are and it's going to help uh, be a part of the future. Okay. So 
We love asking these last set of questions of our climate tech uh, founders and female um, leaders. What is your why? Why do you get up every day to do what you do, Shelby? Honestly, I'm motivated by wanting to create a better world for not only the people who belong to it right now, but future and younger generations. I've been a huge beneficiary of of the way our economy has previously operated. I, I often joke that if I'd been born in any other generation or century, I probably uh, wouldn't have been well accustomed to it because I like my air conditioning. But I think that there are, that's, I'm motivated because I want to provide the same quality of life that I've had to as many people as possible. And I think that is something that is going to be challenging to achieve, but I think we can do it with all of the innovations that are hopefully going to come to market in the next five to 50 years. Awesome. I'm with you, sister. So have you had a female role model or mentor in your career that has helped you to get to where you are today? Maybe tell us about um, her or him. Yeah, I am so fortunate because I have had so many wonderful and amazing women in my life. And I think professionally, one of my most impressive, but not the only ones of my mentors is Lynn Eisenhart. And she has set an incredible example of what it means to be a leader She not only supports her employees' growth, but she sets balance in her life and drives relentlessly towards towards the goal. She leads with like warmth and competence. And I know she is always there and she's always a sounding board for me when I'm making a challenging decision. And I think she just exemplifies what women supporting women looks like and women supporting men looks like and women supporting all other people looks like. So I think it's, I think she just sets an incredible example and and somebody I aspire to achieve half as much and also contribute so much both to her home life and the broader world. So I feel so fortunate to have her as well as so many other women in my life. Awesome. And so we always like to ask this one too, what advice do you have for the next generation wanting to enter a job in climate tech or sustainability in terms of of careers, you know, what would you tell um, the next woman or man who wants to get into this? Just do it. No, I think, I, I mean, first, definitely do it. It's it's awesome. I think there's so much white space. There's so much potential. You can do so much. And there's an opportunity to be in any function in the industry. But I think also more broadly than that, I think if there's any way that I can be helpful or someone else uh, can be helpful I, please reach out because I think one thing that keeps people from entering the clean tech or the energy space is that it's it's dominated by a lot of men and it's often dominated by white men who are great. I'm married to one, but I also think that it can be hard to reach out to people you don't know and look for opportunities and as such, your networks might not be as great in the clean tech or energy or sustainability fields. And so please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can shoot me a LinkedIn message or uh, use my first initial and my last name at bioseparations.com because I'm happy to help in any way I can in, in helping your transition. Wow, Shelby, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on the Voices of Energy. We are so grateful for your time and for imparting your knowledge and insights. And we're really excited to hear about what Via Separations is doing in the space of climate. And we're gonna keep in touch and make sure that we stay connected. So we uh, keep atop of all the exciting things that are ahead of the company and you and your leadership team. Awesome, well, thank you so much for having me today. It was a ton of fun chatting about all of my favorite topics. I, I loved it. <laughs>